Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're here at Mugs Coffee on a Friday morning. Cheers to you, Danny, as, as always here on the show, Danny. And I, I want to say hi to you, of course, but we also have to say hello to our special guest on today's episode. She's Carol Walton of the Charlotte Ledger, of course, here doing a fantastic job covering this this club in this city, in this soccer city. Uh, and and want to say hi to you first on the show. Great to great to see you here at Mugs, and, and awesome to have you on the show for the first time. Thank you guys. This is such a thrill for me to be here. I feel like I jumped through my radio and got to be with you guys. I hear you guys having coffee and, and talking about Charlotte FC, and I'm like, I want to be there. I want to yeah. hang with those guys. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, welcome. You're welcome. Danny Ram's checking in. I am here, even though you know, John tried to erase me from the intro. Um, yeah, welcome, Carol. It's great. I, I love to think the idea that. Uh, we can provide you some respite from the car lines out there uh, when you're when you're picking up the fam. Uh, brings me joy because I've suffered in those car lines myself. Yeah, that one one time it was a trip home from camp. I dropped a kid off at winter camp and I got a good solid like hour and forty five minutes. Of oh, nice! Peace and that's, and that's a tough moment for a parent. You know, drop the kid off at the overnight camp. I'm glad we could be there for you in your in your moment of you know where you needed something like that. <laughs> no, no, it's more like a celebration. <laughs> oh, even better, even better. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, yeah. kind of. Yeah, everybody needs that two-week break in the summertime. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. Uh, but what we're going to do today on the show is, yes, we're going to talk about Charlotte FC. We're going to talk about what's going on with the club, all, you know, a new signing. Danny, is there a signing? Is we got a signing. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. He's yours, baby. Let's go. That's exciting. We've been waiting uh, what feels like 40 days uh, for mm-hmm. this news because we have been waiting 40 days yeah. almost for, for this news. Yeah. So tell, and tell, tell, now tell we waited 40 days and 40 nights and still no flood. I don't know what's going on, but we're going to ask... So, who, who is this this French player? Uh, French player, uh, and uh, Carol, I think you might even looked a little more into him deeper than I have, but Jabril Diani, that's how I got his name pronunciation, Jabril. Uh, You've been looks, practicing that? Well, uh, well, you know, I, I studied French when I was a younger man. I, I was actually French student of the year four years in a row at St. Joseph's High School. Wow. Uh, never, not, not, your resume just never quits, does it? <laughs> 19 uh, on a ago, you know, display or whatever. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. He, he, uh, his, he, he's Jabril Diani is how I think you say his name. And regardless of how you say his name, hopefully we're going to be shouting it a lot. I I'm not sure. He looks like a backup player, though. What do you say, Carol? Yeah, I get a vibe a little bit like Derek Jones, maybe. That kind right. of um, utility, not utility, but solid defending, you know, so he's a So he's just a smaller, less experienced, more expensive takes up an international spot instead of a domestic slot. Derek Jones. Love it. Let's get him in here. Well, you, no, no, just see, get in, Jabril. No, no, we love no, you. Bienvenue. No, Bienvenue. I need some background from you guys. Were you guys on the DJ train last year? Big time. Some, yeah. yeah. Derek Jones has got it going on. This yeah. is a Derek Jones friendly podcast yeah. zone for sure. One of my favorite moments of the 2023 season was, I forget who Charlotte played, but it was a home match. Charlotte won. And Derek Jones played in this advanced midfield role. It was a different position that he played all season long. And he was like a forward operating base. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's like to, instead of in that a CDM role where you're you're playing a, a pivot towards the back line, he was pivoting about five yards away from <laughs> the opponent's 18-yard box, which was really cool to see. And leave it to Christian Latanzio to um, see that working and never try it again. But we don't have to go down that road. But but Carol's here, and we're we're going to get into um, talk about a new signing. 
talk about the club, what's happened. I mean, it's just good to have somebody. So. It's just good to have yeah, anybody. And I mean, I, yeah. I shouldn't underplay the fact that like everyone in there has been sitting on pins and needles, right, for a month, well, and that's, trying to bring somebody. And that's in. my question yeah. here, right? Because Carol's a, a journalist. She covers this this club professionally for the Charlotte Ledger, Football Friday. It's a great newsletter that's that's published every week. If you're not subscribed to Football Friday, make sure make sure you do that. So I want to hear. I so I want to hear about the vision when it comes to Football Friday and what you bring to this fan base. But I also want to hear about your experience over the last couple months, specifically over the last 40 days within this transfer window, covering the club, looking for news, working your sources, but also Dean Smith comes into the building, you know, meeting a new manager, covering a new manager, dealing with that transition as well. So what's it been like on the beat for the last couple months? Well, I got to say, it's been pretty quiet. Um, <laughs> and honestly, to be honest, we, we come out weekly during the season and in the off season, it's like when there's news, we're going to cover it. Um, and there really hasn't been much. And I was really surprised, actually, because with the Carol Swiderski thing hanging in the air, I figured Dean Smith, we get him first. Then there'd be discussion. I, I, you know, I'm, I come from the baseball mold, so I kind of thought there'd be a conversation between the two of them early on. Then they'd make a decision. You know, mm-hmm. they'd be on the way. Or so, but I'm learning soccer is different, man. I think they fly by the seat of their pants based on when the windows are open and totally. what's going on. So the fact that we saw Swiderski and Jaswiak get on a plane and come here, my first thought was, well. Maybe they're going to buy into Dean Smith. Maybe mm-hmm. Swiderski's going, hey, let's see how this goes. So, yeah, you know. Well, what was the reason for Camille to even come to Charlotte if he was never going to Miami? But he did come. He for probably, some reason. My guess was because he needed to have, get a physical yeah. so that Charlotte could sell him. Yeah. Yeah, an up to date physical. Maybe fill out the paperwork for the direct deposit return on his place, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I really do think maybe I was I was taking it too fast and not giving Smith enough time and credit to really get himself established before he starts making these huge decisions. I gotta say I'm more I'm I don't think you were. I think the decision should have come sooner too. I'm on record as saying that if you knew Carol didn't want if your reason for letting Carol go on the last day was that because he didn't want to be here? Well, you knew that in the summer, so you should have let him go on the first day. I think it had to do with more with the market mm-hmm. than. The time, like the timing, was based on the demand on the other end. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, I mean, I, I think I Charlotte would have preferred, you know, sell him December fifteenth, right. you know, and beyond. That's right. and that's kind of what I envision would happen. October twenty seventh. Yeah. <laughs> the day after Red Bulls game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in hearing you speak this way, it's just super interesting because you know we do have a manager in Dean Smith that comes from from the Premier League, comes from the Championship, comes from a place where typically the window closes two weeks after the season starts. Right, so actually, Dean Smith getting this done before the year is that probably right on schedule with what he's used to as far as roster build, and it's just so unique and so different, and, and it's why I think you have to think about this season in a way that's, you know, it's one half of the season is to get until June, the other half of the season is to get into October, and it's just fascinating to me. So, what's been your takeaways? I mean, yes, it's been slow. Uh, but you covered Christian Latanzio, you covered Miguel Angel Ramirez. Yeah. What's it been like, you know, transitioning into covering a Dean Smith-led club? You're on the press conferences, you're answer, answer, asking great questions, you're talking to people who are connected with the club. What's the vibe like? I think it's really good. I think it's a breath of fresh air to have a guy in a press conference who can answer a question with a direct answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. and, I, and I was thinking about this on the way over here that it really kind of feels like his on-the-field style is going to mimic his off-the-field, which is direct. Kick the ball up the field and go for it. Um, yes, yes. And, I mean, to have a guy, he told us one day um, that Swiderski had a hip thing, so he was going to be out of practice. I'm like, you know, Latanzio never would have 
initiated that, even though it was obvious, like, where's your star player, you know, and then we get a lot of roundabout stuff. And MAR was a little bit like that, too. Um, they'd have a game where they'd lose three to nothing and play terribly, and he would come on the post game and say they played great. And I'm like, what? I'm, what am oh, I yeah. missing? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm confused. What's going on with this sport? I don't get it. Yeah, were they, gas- they, were, they were gaslighting us for a little while there. You yeah. Know? And well, he was <laughs> gaslighting them, and they were gaslighting <laughs> us. It was a gaslight uh, triangle the, the floating yeah. downhill on that one. Yeah, but I loved it the other day, um, the game you know, in California where it looked to me like it was – you know, it was more direct, and there were some good things, but the first half was pretty, you know, not a lot going on, you know, and it really looked like when, when LAFC called off, I'm sorry, the LA Galaxy called off the dogs, that's when we started playing well. Mm-hmm. And in the post game, that's kind of what he said, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, this this is, this is going to be good. Um, that was really refreshing to me, it was the yeah. way that, like, he, fan base was, like, we were all lit up like a Christmas tree a few weeks late uh, as far as loving the three goals on the clean sheet and Dean was like downplay he, you know he didn't like talk trash but he was like yeah it was okay we, we got a lot to work on and that's what we needed to hear yeah granted I mean watching it literally on my phone you know with the, the one camera angle and then there's the shadows I had a hard time tell, telling mm-hmm. who was on the opposite side so uh, you know I it can't, was hard to tell yeah it was a little bit tricky but in um, anyway enjoyed it but yeah, I think the vibe I get off the field is is all good as well. Like, I really feel like Dean Smith is, I mean, we heard man's man, players, coach, you know. Um, but I think he's been like that with the entire organization so far. Mm-hmm. From what I hear, he's hanging out in the building, in the marketing area, you right. know. The man. And he knows every, like, knows everybody's name. I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but, like, it yeah. goes a long way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I think, um, and I do, I do think, it's going to take some time. Um, it's, I don't necessarily think it's going to be pretty out of the shoot. Um, although it would be nice if they'd score some of these goals, you know. I'm good if it's if it's not pretty games two through four. Game one, can we at least just, like, maybe have, like, some beginner's luck? Maybe yeah, a goal. Yeah, How about yeah, a goal? Yeah, yeah, one goal, yeah, at one, least. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. Start, that home game on the 24th to me is so important. You know, the last thing that you want to do is, is lose that one because if you do, then you have to go play three on the road and, and all of a sudden you come back and that momentum feels like it, it doesn't exist. So while I think asking for patience is the right thing to do, and I think what's interesting, and, and I want to get your take on this, is like how often does he harp on February 24th? All the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, all the time. It's, it's interesting. Um, and he, he, knows. he knows. He knows how important that day is, I yeah. think. And, he, and he's communicated that with his players. And he's not afraid to just tell everybody, yeah. That's right. Entire, even even the, the, the video that they put out before the match on Wednesday, he, was, he said, 16 days, 16 days. Yeah. That's what we're ready for when they're about to go play 90 minutes. It might be that I'm asking myself for patience because, you guys, I have a hard time imagining this team without Swiderski. I just do. To me, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. I mean, no offense to everybody else, but um, the skill set, the I don't know. There, could you? I, I almost wanted to research this, but I just didn't have the, the the time. I guess. How many goals coming down the stretch last year was he not a part of the buildup? Probably not many. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and I, so I'm like, you know, this is a this in my head. This is a a rebuilding kind of a thing like how do you learn how to play without him but to Dean Smith's credit I don't think he's worried about that and, right. and to me the, the, the interesting thing I'm going to be curious to see is how he gets the other guys better how does he utilize Scott Arfield better how does he oh, obviously Ajaman 
is huge. Um, and Enzo, all these guys that we've had, you know, we they've had talent here. I honestly think everything you're saying is right about Carol. Like you're preaching to the Carol Choir over here, from from the Carol Choir to the Carol <laughs> Choir. Like I love Swiderski. Probably would would call him my favorite player on the club last two years. You know, wanted to, to cheer for that talisman. Wanted to like have that guy that I identified with as someone who, who was our special player who could save us, and he did save us at times. I'm thinking of Chicago in 2022. There's there's other notable spots where he really did make do match difference making performances, but. Um, at the same time, the second part of what you said is just as true as well. I don't know if he even had a place in this lineup under Dean Smith. Not because he was, you know, his he may have been technically gifted more than anybody else in the forward line, but it's not his style of play to run in behind defenders, which is what Dean has mentioned a couple times. He, he's not going to score that goal like Enzo scored against L.A., which was bad defense. You know, we praise it to high heaven, but it was really just bad defense. But still, like... I just think Dean is looking for a striker that, that runs in behind and makes those runs, and that's Enzo Copetti, and that's Patrick Ajimong as second, and Carroll's all of a sudden fighting for the backup spot or readapting his game out to right wing. And so that's why I think not only the fact that he wanted to go, but I think Dean was happy to just let him go. And, he, and Dino even kind of commented that right the other day. He was just like, hey, if you don't want to be here, if you're not going to play the way we need to play, if you're not for the crown, get out of town. That's, you know. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. That gives yeah. me confidence in him. Like, man, he's chill. You know, he's yes. got it going on. Yeah, he does. he's been um, around the block. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's what happens when you're a Premier League manager. When you manage uh, clubs that have been relegated, right, you've been through shit. You've been through the shit. This is nothing mm-hmm. compared to managing Leicester and getting relegated, managing a Norwich squad that is teetering once again and getting relegated. And just uh, his, if you think about Dean Smith and his last two opportunities, he's, he's not been successful. And he hasn't had a lot of time to get things right. He was he was asked to change things very quickly, provide the new manager bump, and it doesn't work out in three months, and he's gone. Right. Now, he, in his mind, I think he looks at this opportunity as like, there's no fucking way they're going to fire me this season, no matter how bad we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, might as well clear the decks, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. exactly. Yeah, so, so you... If it doesn't so, work, we can do it again next but year. I, no, here's my little, like, public uh, you know, service announcement to the fans. Next time you call for the coach's head... There's a rebuild involved. There is time. I think mm-hmm. the thing to Latanzio was just sort of dumb luck because everybody was already in place. Right. Not to say the job done, but the fact that they didn't have to completely reboot. But this, what we're seeing, that's what it is. Yeah. Right. So, I'm not, you know, I sound like I'm preaching for patience, but I'm just saying, don't call for his head after every single loss. Yeah. It gets tired, you know. So anyway. Yeah. If we lose the first first four games of the season. Don't try to fire Dean Smith. Like yeah. this is gonna. Right. And no, by the way, leave that. Let me do that. <laughs> hey, if he loses four, if they lose four games out of the shoot, you can say it all you want. But I'm just saying, you know, yeah. after one bad half, it's yeah, like I, fire. I can't see that happening. Yeah. But we right, always beat New York City, right? Come on, yeah. we never lost to them. All right. Well, um, here, can I throw something out? The guy that I think is sort of really important. It'll be interesting to see is Breck Diagre. Oh, let's go. Um, and where I'm following this. It, you know, because I feel like last year he has the gifts, right? He has mm-hmm. some, some pretty cool gifts in those feet and we didn't really see him mm-hmm. um, because of he was coming in late and you know but to see him start to finish this year does he can he get in the middle and do the stuff that Swiderski was doing mm-hmm. um, oh I definitely think I think he now becomes probably the most technical player now that Swiderski's gone I don't know maybe maybe Vargas a little different maybe Westwood just for the veteranship but I love Deagra I think we just saw flashes last year and, and like he you know, again like I've, I've kind of cle- the, kind of jokingly thrown out this whole, you know, everyone's a new signing under Dino, but if that applies to anyone, it really does apply to Deagra because, like, we barely saw him last year. 
he was being played out of position on the wing instead of more centrally where he can, you know, I've said this many times, but like when you have someone who can go left or right, why would you take away one of those options from him? And that's what Latanzio did with him a lot last year. So I just think he, it's time for him to shine and break out. I, I'd like to see him get involved in, you know, five to ten goals and, and really just make a difference even beyond just, you know, just give be someone that we know, like, oh, we're, when Diagra's on the field, we're coming to play. And I think that's what Dino wants from him, too. Well, what's interesting, my favorite part about the culture of soccer, one of my favorite parts about the culture of soccer is is that, you know, DeAndre wears number 10. Mm-hmm. Enzo Capetti wears number 9. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a, if you're going to wear those numbers, you got to show it. So just from that point of view, right. if, if Diago is going to be asked to play that number 10 role and be creative and, and, and an attacking midfielder that is uh, making things happen in the box, like if he's not getting the job done, who else can wear that number? You know, is what yeah, I'm starting. I kind of <laughs> wonder, kind of expect Dean Smith to come yeah. in there and say, well, you're not, you don't get 10 until I say you get 10. <laughs> right. you know? I'm surprised he didn't strip numbers down for yeah, everybody yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, that would have been cool. That, that would have been cool. But, but I, I think, you know, Breck Diagre, it's a great point. Enzo Capetti, those two, the nine and the ten, who wearing the numbers, working together, that's so important. It's important to this club. There's no doubt about that. What about, what about, I, I think, I'm confused about the midfield situation, right? Like I, th- I feel like when we saw the lineup on Wednesday, I looked at the back line and I said, okay, like, I'm, I'm starting to get it here. Nathan Byrne, like, he's, there was this one highlight, um, that we showed where Nathan Byrne, he wasn't in the screen, and then he like shows up in the screen like mm-hmm. in full sprint. I think it's really good. We could turn that into a funny gif. Um, but it, I was like, okay, good. We're set there on the right back. We've got some guys that want to play center back. To me, I look at the midfield, and yes, Diagra, he's probably going to be in it. Westwood is probably going to be in it. But that third spot is so interesting. You're covering the club closely. You know there's a lot of young players involved. Have you, have you talked to anybody or heard anything about just kind of you know, somebody like Brant Bronico, can he get into this midfield? Petkovic, he's 20 years old, he's getting time. What, what, who is the third man in this midfield? I think he's somebody they're going to sign as a DP yeah. in July. Um, okay. I don't think it's there. So, I mean, yeah. I love Brant Bronico. What's not the love about him? And he will always have a role on any team Totally. when healthy. Um, and I don't know about the young Serbian, Nikola. You know, and, and everybody is high on him. Zoran is very high on him. So I'm curious to see. I didn't see a whole lot in my shadow phone <laughs> view. I, I couldn't really much. get a vibe yeah. there. Yeah. He, he, um, he kind of went invisible in a bad way. You can be invisible in a good way or invisible yeah. in a bad way on a soccer pitch. And I think him and Westwood were sort of the, the dichotomy there. Yeah, yeah I, I, saw, I saw some turnovers. I felt like there were some, some chances he had. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, Just gosh, it's, it's like spring training. It's it's not a big deal. I mean, I, what I love about Pitkovic is his vision. I think he's the deep-lying playmaker uh, that, that we would really love to see. Some of the passes he made for Crown Legacy last year just really like blew me away, and uh, I hope he can bring that to the MLS level. Well, Carol, what is your experience covering this club and it, the, the intersection of Crown Legacy and Charlotte FC? I think it's, it's fascinating because I, I went into last season and it was pretty clear to me that Crown Legacy was a priority. And did you feel that way? Um, I felt like in the building, yes. Um, I felt like the coaching staff last year kind of know. Um, I mean, totally. whenever you'd ask Latanzio about it, he would maybe compliment the guy and then immediately follow it by saying it's a different level, mm-hmm. um, which it is, and that's the truth. But you got the feeling that um, Ajaman was only going to play if someone else had something going on and wasn't right. playing well. Um, so if we were losing at home to Seattle, you know, <laughs> desperately, or if we were down 3-0 at halftime in a playoff game, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, but I think, you know, Dean pointed out in his post game the other day that, you know, the speed of the game is different and, and this is a, a learning curve for him. And, and that's just true. But I really do feel like he, he is a guy who's going to let young guys play. Okay. I mean. I, I'm going to give a take here. I've been holding this one in the holster. I went to the Columbus crew to playoff match against Crown Legacy. Patrick Ajuman played 90 minutes. Brandon Cambridge played 90 minutes. Pekovic played 90 minutes. They couldn't score. What makes us think that those three can do it at the MLS level if they can't win a playoff game at home against Columbus crew too? Soccer soccer, dude, right? Sometimes <laughs> you just don't score. I, of course you don't score. But my point is, is like – we're, we're, we're counting on young players, which I enjoy, right? Part of the reason why I love cup competitions, right. when I think about the Nacoxa match, I'm like, that's one of my favorite parts of the season, right? Because I think the cup competitions give you the ability to see your entire roster, and I love playing young guys. But we've, we've gone from our young players not being able to win a playoff game at home to being counted on to make yeah. a difference on our first team. I don't think they're going to be... I don't think that's how it's going to go. Okay. I think there are two big, giant holes on the roster, and they'll be filled. So, And these guys, if they play the cards right, they'll become complementary, and as time goes by, then become the studs. Cool. Um, but Played I don't down. think Zoran and Joe are sitting back there saying, yay, we're good, let's go, we got our coach, let's roll, roll yeah. over there. Well, I mean, Dino has said many times, if you're good enough, you're old enough. He, he mentioned even just the other day on, after Saturday's match, he said, players make their debut in Europe at 16 and you know like yeah. he, he, he harps on that a lot at the same time uh, you know I wouldn't take just the one I, for the specific result game that you're mentioning Johnny I mean Columbus was just pure turtle mode I mean to, to par say they parked the bus would be an understatement like yeah. for that one specific match I think they just got kind of bad luck they had at least 10 chances and just couldn't score so I mean it, it happens it was a playoff game and that is what you need to deliver but I mean those guys Tavares and Ajman were scoring goals all over next pro Nonstop, and Pekovic was making sick passes from deep for sure. Um, well, I brought it up for that perspective. I but, wanted to get your y'all's perspective on it because that was the only Crown Legacy match that I went to and saw in person. Yeah, right. right. So from the, from my point, and Tavares didn't play great in that in that game, but um, I was about, it was two. I went to the pups yeah. at the pitch. Yeah, you got pups at the pitch. Yeah. But we were great. more it was <laughs> more about the pups. That was honestly that was probably more about the pups for sure. But I think young players have their place on this team. I totally agree with you, Carol. I'm really fascinated by that second thing, and that's where we should probably go next, is, is you talk about more players coming in. I think Diani, Jabril Diani, who we just signed, is probably going to push Petkovic for that second sixth spot in the, in the oh, yeah. in, like he, next to Westwood right third, now. That third with Bronico hurt. Yeah, yeah Bronico's in the mix, but he's currently hurt. I thought Bronico was, it could not get hurt. I, mean, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, it's such a disappointment. Did he mention, oh, was man. it a thigh? Yeah. He, said, yeah, he was an injured thigh in the press conference for Bronico, so who knows how long that's going to be. But I think it's going to be Diani Petkovic trying to fight for that spot next to Westwood with Bronico when he's healthy. But there has to be a DP coming, because that's something else Dean, Dean said. What did you get from Dean, the sort of the mystery soundbite, where he said, certainly we One. will, I would have thought, have had a player. Like He, yeah. he mixed his tenses like <laughs> no. four different ways, Some and I was like, I was like, did he say we are going to sign a player? Or are we not going to sign? Like, it was kind of a mix-up. I went with the optimistic reading and like enthusiastically hit the social media with like, oh my gosh, we're signing a DP. Some people told me to pull back on that, but hey, I'm excited. No, I think, and you know, we got to learn the, the lingo and the language because he's coming from across the pond, and mm -hmm. um, so the tense thing threw me a little bit too. Mm -hmm. But I think what I took from that is that we should we should see a big signing, 
here in the next week or two. Yeah, I agree. Um, I tried to follow up like any. I don't know who you talked to at the club. I didn't talk to a ton of people, but the impression that I got without anything official is just that Dean expects a signing, right. and things can fall through. Deals can certainly fall apart. Deals right. might be on their way to being done that we don't know about, but and Dean feels confident it could fall through, but we should expect it. Right. Well, I mean, you go back to Grombag, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a giant thing that didn't work out. So how different would it have sounded, uh, this conversation, if we had him, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, totally. It's not even about the player. It's about the, it's about the money, right? It's, you're yeah. talking about $10 million to sign somebody. It shows it's a major statement of intent. Mm-hmm. You've said that before on the show. It's a, it's a, it's a, sh- it's a showing of... Of trying to be ambitious, and I think I think Zoran is out there. And what you, so? What's your take on Zoran Kanata? Is that he's somebody that's still there? There's not a lot of people that are still there from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, and I mean, I, I like Zoran. I think he's a, a you know kind of a savvy guy, and I like communicating with him. I'm, I'm selfishly, I like people who answer my questions directly, and um, if anything, he might do stuff too directly sometimes. So I think that's why we don't see him all the time <laughs> but I enjoy it and um, you know through all the things the last couple years I felt like he signed some guys who filled needs in a hurry I mean this this winter was a little unusual for me in terms of what I would expect from Zoran I would have thought because I thought he pulled Carol Swiderski out of a hat um, you know like yeah let's do do that again yeah. um, but I think that w- what we saw is it's not as easy as it, he made it look um, totally but I do, you know, and there's some, been some talk, and I think it's fair, you know, that we're, we're kind of, Charlotte is sort of shifting more European, um, and what about the South American market? And, uh, you know, I think we could, you could raise that point. Um, but I also can respect that you go where you're familiar, you go where you know the people, you know people Dean's familiar with. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen more players that Dean had up his sleeve, guys he knew. Entrusted. You're taking the words right out of Johnny Hayes' mouth. Yeah, it was. Uh, yes, I, 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 yes. Well, the trialist, right? Uh, Fosu. Yeah, Fosu. Yeah. Tariq Fosu. He, he kind of knew. He knew, knew us. Who yeah. He was. I thought they had worked together in the past. They have, and I think I misspoke that earlier. Yeah. But, but yeah. that's a phone call for him, right? That's right. a phone call to one person who says legit, sign him. Yeah. So right. you have that trust. But more of that with a little bit more, you know, not just mm-hmm. the English Championship level, but. You know, I, I thought maybe there'd be some players on Norwich City and Leicester City who weren't good enough for the Premier League, who were kind of hanging out in the Championship, unsure if they were going to get promoted from those two clubs. But I maybe ready for an show. American adventure, you know? Yeah. If, if anything, this made me a little bit insecure. You know, I was kind of getting cocky about, hey, come to Charlotte, it's great. You know, you hear Ashley Westwood, and it just makes you like, oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, it it can be a tough sell. I think. It's, it was for Karol Swiderski. As, as yeah. great as it is, like he rejected it here. He wanted to go back to Poland and Italy. You know? yeah. So, so we've, talk, we've talked a lot about the club. Um, one thing that I want to do is you know, hear about your journey to this point covering the club. Right? I mean, you've, you've had a career in journalism, and I'm interested in hearing perspective on like what – what tools, what have you covered in the past to learn your craft and bring it to the Charlotte FC audience today? So tell us about your career. Tell us where you started journalism and, and, and how you got to this point. Well, um, I could do the long and the short version, guys. Uh, it's, okay. um, it's a podcast, so you can do, you can do the long version. Um, in, in a nutshell, I grew up here in Charlotte. I grew up a fan of um, college basketball. I'm a dookie. 
um, and NFL football. Um, but I went to college and decided about halfway through I w- wanted to be a sports writer. I wanted to do something fun. I had been pre-med. I had a come-to-Jesus moment with that. No med school Who hasn't been me. pre-med? You know? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, oh, yeah. It was Who amongst wrong, us? Wrong path. Um, so um, ended up in Georgia. I started out in Macon, Georgia. Um, and I, when you land in Georgia in the 90s, you, you better get caught up on baseball. So that's what happened. I fell in love with baseball, um, covering the Macon Braves and the Atlanta Braves. And then in the I, 90s, not a bad time to be yeah, doing that. I mean, just literally, <laughs> I remember like my first night at the Macon Telegraph as a 22-year-old sports writer. They sent me over with the guy who covered the minor league team. I did not know how to score a baseball game. Right, this guy named Cayman Simpson. He covered some SEC stuff over the years, but he was a, a really good dude. And he did not judge me, didn't say a negative word, just sat down and taught me how to do it. And um, there was a guy in the press box that night. I won't name names. But still around. Still around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like um, the next year, that was ninety. Well, that was ninety-two. Let's just say by nineteen ninety-five, I was covering the World Series with the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> Amazing. against the Indians and this this guy went around apparently telling people man when she showed up here she didn't know how to s- score a baseball game and now she's covering the World Series and I'm like exactly yeah, yeah you can learn how to do it you know it's mm-hmm. and um, and it's a beautiful it's not really thing. that hard to score a baseball I mean I kind of want to well and to understand I mean, <laughs> it's just got to be shown once and then you know how to do it right but, yeah. yeah well here's my thing like and I and you know, maybe this guy's, it acting, this guy's acting like he's got the nuclear launch codes or, you know, the, the freaking uh, Dead Sea Scroll translation. I mean, I want to say it's not rocket science, but I don't <laughs> yeah. want to offend anybody. Yeah, I mean, you just um, got to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, but I kind of feel like that's maybe been something that I've, I've not purposely but used to my advantage over the years is I don't come into it like I know everything. And there's ways, you know, you can earn respect of people who do by asking them questions. It's not my job to tell them how they should be doing their job. It's my, it's my job to ask them how they did it, why they are doing it a certain way. So that was just sort of my thing. And I covered some of the greatest baseball players there are, and it kind of gives me chills, like Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Bobby Cox. Um, and so that's kind of, to speed up to Charlotte, I ended up moving back here where I grew up. I got married. I started having kids. I was not heavy into sports writing at, at, the, at the moment, but had an opportunity um, through a friend of mine, Edwin Peacock, who ran for mayor here one year, is a great friend of mine from high school. He knew a guy, Tony Messia, who had the Charlotte Ledger, and um, knew we were both Duke grads, and then he knew that I had writing background, and Tony is always looking for writing, and literally just, we met for coffee like a month before the season started, and we just kind of cooked it up. Like, hey, you wanna you start writing about soccer? And I'm like, sure. Um, I had played soccer growing up, and um, was kind of looking forward to a different challenge you know I mean for me it's kind of that fun thing of coming in don't know everything but but I'm interested and similar and to the similar with the baseball yeah right? yeah I mean a reporter's a journalist job I think is professional curiosity so I think you everything you're saying embodies that for sure I, lo- I love to hear you say that uh, you go into it as if you don't know everything because you don't right I think sometimes the business can be an ego business and you want to act like you know everything you don't want to seem like you're not sure and hearing you say that is like I've, I've heard you ask questions in the press conference obviously writing some things that you have and the way that you cover the team I would describe as like naturally inquisitive and I think that really helps when you're covering a new club too right so the Braves obviously not a new franchise in the 90s 
this is a total new franchise. How's that kind of thrown a wrench into the way you cover a team? <laughs> well, it's fun because I feel like, hey, maybe 10 years down the road, I'll be like, oh, yeah. I've seen every single game or whatever it is, you know, so that's that's fun. Um, But, uh, you know, it's nice to be around the enthusiasm and to see the start of things. I mean, Mm -hmm. even just getting to know some fans, you know, Heidi Underhill um, told me her story of why she got into soccer, the death of her partner and unbelievable. And that was an immediate attraction to me. The relationship between fans and players in soccer um, doesn't happen in other sports. And that is something that um, used to be, if, if my editor would send me to write a fan story at a Braves game, you'd be like, oh, man. You know, it was just the same thing. <laughs> you know, and you just didn't want to deal with it. But here, man, the fan stories are some of the best ones there are. Um, so that's been cool. And, the, and I feel like that invisible barrier between fans and players is so much it's it's not it's it's less yeah you know it depends on the player of course but soccer culture is the best yeah and i think that you can underscore just one word that makes it different than everything else and it's club right you really do feel like you're part of a club and the players and soccer players know that they have to make the fans feel like they're part of the club otherwise things could get sour very quickly just i think it's the nature of the game right where in a soccer match in the 70th minute the fans can really help you out. It's kind of like running a marathon, right? When you're running the marathon line, not that I have, but in talking to people that have, it's like the fact that there's people lining the streets and you got nothing left in the tank and they're cheering you on, they're, they're really going to help you get to the finish line. In soccer, I think the fans actually have the ability to help a player in the 70th minute. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Unless we care too much, like Latonzo was, was concerned <laughs> Too much about. pressure on the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, too much pressure on no, the I ha- You make a good point. I have run two marathons. Oh, you have? Oh, wow. And Amazing. it is like when you see, for me, the family member in the last three miles, first of all, you start to cry. Male or female, you do. And so you, if you can still breathe and get to the finish line. So, yeah, that's a great point. And I do think there were times last year as great as the fans were in those last eight minutes, ten minutes, and, like, everybody's saying, oh, no, here we go. And I'm like, stand up, yell. You know, yeah, uh, that yeah. was the Duke basketball in me, like, mm-hmm. you know, on defense, you stand up and go right. nuts. You know, I still feel it. Not to be critical of the Charlotte fans, but there's a little bit of that Charlotte wine and cheese stuff that goes on late in a game with the team down and a one-run you know, mm-hmm. one lead, sorry, to protect. <laughs> stand up and scream. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Help them get – through the finish line yeah. don't, don't be nervous about the fact mm-hmm. that you're going to give up a goal but I mean PTSD is a real thing yes yeah. no I don't blame them <laughs> yeah. I don't blame them I mean I mean a two it's, it was bad when a two yeah. goal advantage was yeah. not enough <laughs> what's it like because you're not only a newspaper journalist by trade you're an author you wrote a book with Chipper Jones co-wrote I mean we're talking about the all-time greats Chipper Jones greatest third baseman ever maybe I don't know some would say but uh, this guy named Mike Brooke. Schmidt, <laughs> Brooks Robinson. I know, yeah, yeah. I know you got some ties yeah. in that area as well. I know you. I know you like the. I just the I skin. had to get best switch hitting third base. There we go. There we I go. had to get the Phillies reference in there. Of after, course, yeah, as, yeah, Originally yeah. from Philadelphia, talking about the '90s Braves, I'm just like. Yeah. My point <laughs> is, my question of all that is, because I was a Chipper Jones fan too. I love Chipper. Uh, What's the difference between covering a team on a day-to-day basis, a game-to-game basis, and then you do that a book project, a real in-depth getting to know an athlete's life? And how did your journalism change after doing that more in-depth? So, like, the, the in-depth, how did that influence your current uh, day-to-day stuff? What an awesome question, Danny. Thank you. You're, like, feeding right in my wheelhouse. No, I really feel like, you know, it's helped me a ton mm-hmm. as a journalist to be a better listener. 
um, because when you're in the, the day-to-day grind and you're used to being in a pack of 12 people around a locker mm-hmm. and you, you've you literally got like three minutes with a guy and you need him to answer your question, I would find I'd interrupt people. I mean, it was awful. You would mm-hmm. literally, they'd be going off and you'd be like, no, 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 and you'd bring it back. But what I learned in the time when I was working with Chipper, we would sometimes, I'd go to his house, I'd spend the whole day, I'd spend like six, eight hours with him. We'd have, in the morning we'd talk, we'd have lunch, then we'd come home. By about three o'clock, when we're both like melted into the couch, and the tape recorder's going and we're just talking, that's when we got the absolute best stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, I can't, you know, and just that mentality of remembering to shut up Mm-hmm. and listen and it's not I'm not saying I, I do it on the uh, soccer beat all that often or very well but um, you know in Zoom it's tough that's a tough environment and I'm hoping as with the club now in their facility we're going to get more in-person interaction um, but it is a, it's a good reminder just in general as a journalist to just be quiet sometimes um, and ask short questions open-ended questions um, and, and sit back and see what you get. I love that. That's a great answer. And it was a good question, Danny, because it's almost like you are able to see the human side of an athlete when you actually get to spend more than three minutes with them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like in that work environment, everybody's kind of doing their thing. You get five minutes and you go home and you spend those days with them and you go, wait a minute, like there's so much more to this person than being the professional athlete that everybody sees. Right. I think that a lot of that is to me, <coughs> as I move into my next part of my career covering sports like I think respect is the ultimate tool right like respecting that these players have a job to do and it's not who they are but at the same time there's performing for a lot of money for an audience and and I, th- and I ran into that with Carol Swiderski and Camille Yuziak right where you know it's like sure you you want to Camille out of the club right it just wasn't a good fit but at the same time like well this is a person right let's handle this situation delicately right right and maybe say, you don't need to come up with rude nicknames danny brams for, <laughs> for use the act you know like you I, did i sort of struggle i struggle with swiderski back and forth in my head because he's a great soccer player you know to me again i'm, I'm on the danny train on this one um but off the field in in a media setting not the greatest wouldn't show up for post-game stuff didn't want to deal with that and um and then over time you figure out you know at first i thought it was language and then i don't think it was i think it was just where he was and and you know some of that you got to respect the personality not everybody's going to want to hear themselves talk you know not everyone can be ashley westwood and be the gentleman (laughs) who does everything or brent Brent bronico and i'm not asking for that but um you know if you could take the Ashley Westwood, Brent Bronico, and give them, you know, the skills of Carol Sversky and put them in one. And not to diminish the skills. Sorry, Westy, yeah. if you hear this. Oh, Lord. Every once in a while, he'll, he'll put me in my place, which is funny. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, is that the hardest ball you've He's ever gonna- hit? And he looks at me like, no, no. Carol, no. It really isn't. He's going to start playing his highlight reel on that Chicago <laughs> yeah, ball. Sure. Yeah, That was the one. That yeah. was the one. But he did say later in my defense, he said that was about as free as I've hit one yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, so, so what can we... Uh, the rhythm of the season, right? We, we, we love to talk about the rhythm. The campaign. And the campaign is starting here. There's, a, there's another preseason match uh, this weekend on uh, February 10th and then the 17th as well. So what is your rhythm to the season? What can fans expect from your coverage? Obviously, we have Football Friday. Yeah. Um, so what can they expect from a Football Friday, and where can they find you during the week? Yeah, and, thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, you can go to thecharlotteledger.com. 
and navigate your way. Um, you sign up, you get an email in your inbox every Friday, about 11.30 I come out. Um, and my goal with it is, let's say you've had a, a busy week and you have not been on Twitter, you have not read all the latest, or even if you have, this is one place where you can find out what's going on with the team. Um, you know, you can not, to, not I don't want to take anything away from podcasts either, but it's just a good landing spot to keep up and also maybe give you something you hadn't thought about or something you hadn't heard about, something you hadn't seen before, um, whether it's fans. You know, my boss, Tony, he's great. I'm, I'm not as funny as he is, and I'm a little bit too serious sometimes, but he likes me to be lighthearted and let's have some fun. I know they did a thing on, um, I was out one week and they did a whole thing with Sir Minty. He loves the whole Sir Minty vibe. He doesn't. Um, <laughs> Spreads joy wherever he goes. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, yeah, and this year, I'm, I mean, not to give away any spoilers, but one of the things on the list of stories we want to do is like, what's with the whole soccer sports bra thing? You know, we want to get into the science of the. Oh, yeah, the trackers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's see, it's a tracker. Mm-hmm. Okay, it looks like a sports bra. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of those guys wear that because it holds the tracker that's like measuring. The, <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. So yeah, there's. But there's but that's fascinating, right? The science of you can't hide anything. Right. You know, you right. they know your heart rate, they know your work rate. Um, I know when we toured the facility, you know, and they were showing oh, us yeah. all that equipment, and even Westwood said, you know, we well, can't hide any hamstrings mm-hmm. tightness or anything, and and those. Those deals. So right, my favorite stat. You also can't stand around and, and, and like hope no one's looking because they're just going to go back and check the data later. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like Wes yeah. I running. We we don't we don't get this. I, I don't think uh, running statistics. The running statistics are, you know, despite how you think the game went. Yeah. You know, even if you lost three 0 if you look at the running statistics and you're like, satisfied with them, at least you know everybody gave their effort. It's like right. when you lose a match like that and you look at the running statistics and it's like, well, nobody was really moving. Is It gives you a real window into actually what's happening on the pitch. So, right. And then that, I guess that's one other question. Um, and I know we're coming towards the end of the episode. It's been awesome to have you on the show. And so we could, I feel like Danny and I could do this for two hours with you. Um, but I know that you're basically Give me another French. Give me another jug of French press. I'm good to go. <laughs> um, but, you know, covering a baseball game, it's pretty simple. You know, you're watching the pitcher, the ball's hit, and it's you, you're in the press box, you see the entire field. Covering soccer, it's just like, are you following the ball? Like, how do you, when you're watching the match, how do you consume a soccer match? Are you watching the ball? Are you watching positioning? Are you watching formations? And there's not a wrong answer here, right? Because right. I think that's the beauty of the sport. Right. Everybody watches it in a different way. Yeah, I feel like it's changed over the last two years. I started off pretty laid back, and my sister has season tickets, so I and I don't have to write immediately after a game. So that's a nice benefit to this gig for me. The gamers or gamer yeah. stories are just like not a thing anymore. Yeah, you you yeah. see the game or you find out the score, listen to a podcast. You know, yeah. um, it started out, you know, just kind of enjoying it and watching the ball and whatever. Um, over time, I get a little bit more geeky, and I'm in the press box more, and I've got my little scorebook, and I have my own little way of what I keep up with um, and hopefully get a little neater with it because sometimes I go back and I'm like, what What did I mean? But um, <laughs> gener- You can't even re- re- uh, interpret your own shorthand. That's when you know yeah. you've fallen far too down the yeah, there's like a, There should be like a certain, there's a certain font that's called like journalists. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't try to read it. Um, but, you know, it was also, it was a reminder. And I'd also, like, I don't really want people to talk to me, you know, or ask me questions because I don't want them to take my attention away because I do feel like in soccer, you know, you turn away and you miss something. Oh yeah. You know, and you're not necessarily getting the replay that you want on the TV. They don't. They're not looking where you want to look. Hundred percent. But um, there's a um, a good example that you know. I, I, again, you have to teach yourself and learn from yourself. Last year, um, 
third game of the year against Atlanta. Um, Charlotte FC loses 3-0. I was in the stands with my sister, and my ha- it was like a rare day game, so I had my kids with me. And um, my twins, they're six. They have a little best friend who was at the game and had some Mac Daddy awesome seats. We went to see them at halftime, and they and they and the people around them saw our little kids playing and like, hey, why don't you sit here? I mean, they're losing three nothing, so a lot of people left even in the prime spots. And so we we spent the second half sitting at the fifty right behind um, Christian Latanzio, really, and in front of me during the I've game. Snuck down, I've snuck down to that section before. It's, it's great. Pretty, yeah. It's pretty awesome. And uh, I watched. Um, that was the game. I don't know if y'all remember, Ashley Westwood got in a little bit of a tussle. I think he picked up a guy mm-hmm. for the other team who was like, you know, I'm injured. Uh, and Ashley's like, get the heck up. Yeah, yeah. And I, to be that close to that moment and see the look on his face. And I ended up writing about it the next time because I'm like, Charlotte FC needs that. <laughs> that, like, pissed off, nasty, mm-hmm. get your butt up and keep playing, you know, is what this team needs. Because I felt like that game, they just got it handed to them the first three games. And I don't think I would have had that same feeling watching that play from the press box. I love that. So. That's a fantastic way to think about it. Because there's, when you're, I love the tactical view, right? But I think the tactical view is great for a replay of the match, mm-hmm. right? Not necessarily in the moment. Because, uh, you know, even the manager, the manager has maybe like one of the worst views in the building. You know, they can see the emotion, but as far as tactics are concerned, it's, it's a tough pl- uh, place to see on the sideline, the space right. on the pitch. And uh, the other Westwood story that, uh, we love that that checks out. This was the Nicoxa game, which I'll mention again. Uh, three up three nil, up three nil and half. Total opposite vibes. And as he's coming off at halftime, he is just berating the team, like up three nil. Yeah, we got another forty five. Like he was pissed. Oh yeah. And we're just, I was just like, wow, okay. Like this guy is a true leader. Yeah. So getting close like that allows you to kind of just kind of see who the leaders are on the pitch, right? Because communi- in soccer, communication is so important. Right. You can't tell who's communicating up in the press box, but when you get to that field level, you know exactly who's barking. Right. So, yeah, yeah do it all, right? Don't get stuck in one one spot and one vibe. I love that answer. And I think that was a, a, a limit of the ceiling of our team last year was communication because by the end of the year, Westwood had kind of stopped doing that a, a little bit to like the point where Capetti was whining, complaining late in the season at a home match, and he's yet going. Capetti's going over to like like harass the VAR official on a VAR play that didn't even involve Copetti and stuff like that. And Westwood, you know, earlier in the season, I think he might have like been like, what the hell are you doing? Get over there. But he just kind of was resigned himself. He's like, all right, nothing's going to change because Latanzio sucks and I can't get anyone to do what I'm telling him to do despite my experience. So I almost felt like that kind of, the, uh, there was a de- de- degradation of the communication in our squad last year that hopefully has been restored under Dino. Yeah, I gotta. I, I don't think we can finish this podcast without talking about what we saw last night from the team with Scotty Arfield playing the yeah. guitar around yep. the guys. It's like, you're re- it's like you're reading my mind. I was just yep. thinking about that. Yeah. I do like. I mean, you know, it's so you all. Can be a producer too. <laughs> it's about ex- how do they pay? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I have one child for a reason. Let's just put it that way. One and only one. But the, the X's and O's are important. Um, but you know, if you learn, you guys from covering sports all these years, there's the the, the uh, there's that. X factor that's very important when you're talking about human beings time together to me that's what showed up in the last the 10 minutes of the game last year there was not that you know the fight for each other thing and I got fooled last year I'll totally admit when I watched um, Anton Walks's service and I watched the guys walk off the field kind of arm in arm and I saw Swiderski kind of being a leader I thought man 
maybe this tragedy, this is the team now, you know, maybe. But I was wrong. That wasn't that wasn't what was happening. And 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 God bless them. You can't sugarcoat a situation like that. And I do think it played on them all year, and and it was a thing. Um, but now watching that video of those guys sitting around, and and, and Denny's got it pulled up. And they're like, it looks like a hotel team room, like a training meal maybe. I don't know if it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but they're hanging. Look at the body language. They're not in a hurry to go anywhere. Um, they're enjoying each other's company. Um, and I think, you know, maybe last year with, with Anton, everybody had their own way of dealing with it, and, and you understand that. But, hey, um, this this thing we're seeing with, with our field and the guys enjoying it, maybe there's some uh, – let's try it this year and see if I can get it right. There's more of a team – connectivity that we yes. can hope for here and you know what else about this we see dean right mm-hmm. he's in the back he's well, we got some he, papers in front of him Looking he's, like he's doing trying work. to work he's got yeah. the readers down so he's still coaching he's still working but he kind of smiles over at our field you know yeah. like so he's he's not aloof he's not in his ivory tower but he's right. still being the coach he's still he's in charge not. like he could be like this and everybody like be quiet go 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 to the pitch go get to work or that's a great point i don't know if cl would have been in this room last year on this video we're watching i do think when it, when it, when you're in a big room of people and a guy busts out a guitar it can go one of two ways so i was glad <laughs> to see this one go very well and, and be a, a great moment well i mean scotty is unbelievably talented i yeah i listen to something in the orange by zach bryan all the time as a scotty arfield cover you on his instagram mm-hmm. and he nailed that and that's one of the that, that's a really tough song to cover yeah. And when Scotty now that I was like, wow, this guy's actually pretty pretty good at yeah. music. But it, in and talking about Arfield, I mean, it's it's a real thing. Because I, I, I've made the point on the last couple episodes that the vibes are good. And yeah. I say that tongue-in-cheek, like the vibe check. Yeah. But, like, yeah. in soccer, I feel like that's actually a real thing. Yeah. Right. Vibes are bad. It's like, and, yeah. And what were the two songs he chose to play that they, the club posted yeah. videos of? One, Don't Worry, Be Don't Happy. Don't Worry, Be Happy. Obviously, I think, I think there's a very much a... As much as we're on the outside, kind of like, oh, we don't have signings, we're losing guys. I think internally it's much calmer. I think we're the under the water and the, the players themselves are the duck on the surface in that regard. But then the other song that he chose to play was uh, Stand By Me. Stand By Me. And there's already a movement now online to like, like we should have Stand By Me play at the end of games. I know that was a big issue last year. Like they tried to sell us on Volare. That song wasn't really a good sing-along song for multiple reasons. They started playing Whitney Houston and the last couple of matches. They started playing I Want to Dance with Somebody at the end of matches, which I really liked because I think that's cool because I think just some supporters had kind of pushed for that because they loved that song. Um, but now everyone wants, you know, after this video came out, everyone wants, like, Stand By Me to be the, the post-match sing-along song, and I think that'd be kind of cool. Can we get Scotty on the field with the guitar playing it is the real question. <laughs> no, the real question is, Danny, can we get Scotty on the guitar playing at Hotfly at the Brant Bronico yes. party yes. this summertime? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, we, I think our field will be up for that. Yeah. I, I think he'll be up for that. I think he's somebody that can connect with a fan base in a way that a lot of young guys can't, right? Yeah. Hamid Diop is a good example. Hamid Diop did the press conference yeah. the other day. It was great to see him, but yeah. you could just tell it was he was he was raw. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah the, 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 every reporter on that Zoom tried tried to get him to MF the, the Latanzio, but he, he wouldn't take the bait. I was proud of the kid. He just kept saying, eh, last year was different, this year's different. You know? Yeah, that just that laid the gauntlet down for me. That's a little yeah. bit of a challenge there. There's more to come. Last thing, Carol, where, when can, where can people follow you on social? I'm on, uh, my maiden name is Rogers, so at Carol Rogers, uh, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, um, and then I can link you up with Football Friday, um, but I would love to have more readers and more feedback and um, continue this awesome 
conversation we have going between fans, players, team, you know, what we got going on in Charlotte. It's pretty awesome. No, you're not kidding. I'm a proud subscriber. I love the work and uh, happy to support it. And I uh, hope as many people out there that are looking for a way to enhance their Charlotte uh, media diet. This is like this is the good stuff. This is the this is the steak that you're giving people. Yeah. So appreciate it. Subscribe to Football Friday, of course. Uh, continue subscribing to Charlotte Soccer Show. Appreciate everybody out there. Appreciate that too. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you think about this episode. Always appreciate that. And then, you know, one thing that's important to me is that you know this is not the only time that Carol's on the show this season, right? It's like Carol's right. coming back on this this episode. We're planning on uh, episodes. Every Sunday at Hop Fly throughout the season. So we'll make sure that you know when we're going to be recording. We'd love to have you stop by after a match. You got childcare? You got somebody who can wash my boys around? Uh, around? Yeah, we got some folks over at Hop Fly. They'll take <laughs> okay. care of you. Yeah, they can come on by. Yeah, I think it's great, Carol. Thank you so much for coming on. I think that uh, uh, it, you bring a gravitas that like so much of us love to. Uh, cover the club and you know we call ourselves fanalists and we have a great old time but uh like you're the real deal and we oh. appreciate that when it comes to like like things that we need to know we have a lot of fun talking about the rumors and playing online and social and all that but when it comes to like news about the club whether it's you know harder things like criminal investigations that we've been involved with player deaths and things like that and you know, the interview you were doing with anton's uh the mother of his daughter like that was amazing last year and so like this is what you're getting from Carol Walton. Okay. She's giving you the real deal. So Can I subscribe to her? I'm going to whisper something in here. <laughs> Credibility. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, and I do, like, I'm going to make my plug for journalism, which mm-hmm. is even in this day and age with Twitter and assumptions and, and opinions and all that, there are two sides to every story. And so a lot of the complaints, a lot of the questions, there's an answer to, and they can't always give it to you straight. Um, they can't always tell you, um, Ashley Westwood has torn the crap out of his groin muscle, um, but they don't want to complain and whine about that. But there's usually reasons to things. Like Yagre last year, his wife, I think, must have had some struggles in her pregnancy at the end, and she's halfway across the world. Mm-hmm. And he had that awful play. You know, Nashville. Yeah, or, um, not the PK. Nashville, the, um, the other late PK, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, um, but there's a human side, and that's what I love about sports is trying to tap into that human side. That's the fun part. It certainly is, and we'd love to do that here on the show. Hopefully we can do some more interviews as the season goes on. I think um, it's something that we'll, we'll plan to do is just trying to bring these players to life, you know, in a way where they're not just out there on the pitch for 90 minutes. Or, I mean, Brant Brand, Brand will go the 90 minutes. He'll go another 30 for you. <laughs> yeah, he's going the 120 if we're going extra yeah, time. He's, not, set. he's mm-hmm. not coming off the pitch. So I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Rams, our special guest, uh, Kyle Walton, today on the Charlotte Soccer Show. Give us a follow. Give us a review. And as always... For the crown, baby.